Hi, my name is Shreyas. And my name is Hannah. Welcome to Thoughtbox. So, we're going through something that's really interesting in the labor markets right now. And if you listen to our last podcast with Professor Zweig, uh, we discussed three big things. The Great Resignation, Automation, and a prediction made by Economist Keynes. So let's just break that down. So, the Great Resignation is the word that's been dubbed for basically four million people um, leaving their jobs, resigning and quitting their jobs in February. This has pretty much continued since then, not at the same level, but millions are quitting their jobs each month. And over four million people quit their job in November when this whole great resignation started. And people discuss like, is this great resignation actually happening? How many of it is early retirement from COVID? How much is it people, you know, it's a lot easier to hire people right now because people are in the hybrid model. So you can just, you know, download some software on someone's per, um, you know, laptop, they have the job, they're like, this is not for me. So like, it's very easy to be mobile. Um, and that's something you were discussing, Hannah. Yeah, and but I think it's interesting because, yes, it's easy to see the numbers and get caught up in them and say, oh, wow, look at the labor shortage. We're definitely heading towards the great resignation. But what's interesting is that it's actually the same people who are working multiple jobs. So when we look at the number of jobs that are being lost, we're not counting or recognizing the fact that it could be the same person quitting multiple jobs and the reason is let's say like you're in the restaurant industry right um you're really only busy for what four out of four hours out of the entire day so you only really need workers for those four hours so you're not going to assign a random worker for eight hours of work and pay them eight hours when you're really just needing them for four hours so all these workers, they are getting these jobs. It's easy, as you mentioned, to get hired, but they're not actually getting paid the amount that they need from these jobs. And so this leads the workers to take on more jobs than necessary, but also when they're not getting enough hours, they quit those jobs. So you're seeing all these stats of um, large amounts of people quitting their jobs but it's not actually because they're leaving the labor market. It's sure. they're constantly in the search for new jobs. Yeah, so this research came out from the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank, which argues that people are not quitting at a rate that is unusual and that this is actually pretty consistent with what we see when there's a huge spike in people going back to the workforce, which is exactly what's happening because COVID was a shock in the labor force. So they did some research and they saw that in the last 20 years, there's been six times where there's a huge surge in people going back to the workforce that these many people are quitting at this rate. And what makes it unusual right now is the fact that 4 million people are quitting is because so many people are going back to the workforce all at once. For example, what's unusual about COVID that's not true about other recessions is you couldn't just send your kid off to daycare. Mm -hmm. You had to stay home with them because COVID risks, right? When, when, when this is in the peak and daycare costs went up. So this forced a lot of women out of the workforce who are now re-entering as daycares are pretty much opened up, people are vaccinated, and COVID is mostly behind us. So this is completely unusual, but the rate is not. The rate at which people are quitting is not. That being said, like there are weird things happening in today's economy. Truck drivers were quitting their jobs in droves saying that they, it was not a good place to work and that they weren't enjoying how grueling of a job it is. And what happened after that is Walmart and other companies are offering their truck drivers, I think around like 110K. As much year. as like an investment banker might make, right? Yeah, which is like a good way to put in perspective for 
business school students. It's, it, it is a lot of money. So that's like definitely unusual. And, this, and, and I think people remember exactly when we were, everyone was getting vaccinated, you'd drive down the highway and you'd see you know, McDonald's saying, hiring now, 25 an hour. Um, or I remember like the local uh, grocery store in my town up their wages to like, I think from like 15 an hour, they usually hire young, younger people. So like 15 mm. an hour up to like you know, 28 an hour. In addition to these crazy price increases, you know, to incentivize more people to work, companies have had to change how they approach and build the structure of their organizations too. I mean, a lot of companies now emphasize more of like sustainable values or the work community and environment that they're creating for their employees because employees now really have that option to choose where they want right. to work. You know, why would you want to choose a grueling work that gets paid the same amount as a as a place where like, you know, you can have a nice work-life balance and like the pay is the same. So which one would you choose, you know? Yeah. Uh, so to your point earlier, Hannah, we were talking about how jobs, uh, the people are moving around from jobs more so than people are just leaving them. The labor force participation rate is pretty much the same. There's this really great article in Quartz uh, by Tim Fernholz where he describes it not as a great resignation, but as a great renegotiation mm. where people are using this new leverage that they have in the market to negotiate for better wages, better working conditions, uh, better benefits, uh, the ability to work from home for a couple days of the week. And that's not really something that you were able to see before. And what's really interesting also for young people is, I mean, I personally know a lot of alumni who quit their job because it was just, you know, after COVID, because it was just grueling and it was difficult. And, you know, these are like jobs that people have done for years that culturally have been awful. So like right at the end of COVID, there was this report that came out about Goldman Sachs analysts complaining about the awful working conditions and how awful it is for mental health. And these banking jobs haven't gotten worse all of a sudden when now they're complaining. They've always been awful, right? Yeah, they're just coming to light now. Right, yeah, like Lehman Brothers wasn't a great place to work and Goldman Sachs just messed it up. What do you mean? Um, so this has always been the way, but now I think younger people are more aware that they have a say in how their workplaces are built, exactly to your point earlier. And what's also interesting is because of that, you know, we're seeing a lot of young people quitting their jobs, trying to renegotiate, spending like months off work um, to go to different industries or go to places that are going to treat them better. And people are looking for jobs that represent their values, which has been something that you don't really see because people then usually quit jobs because of the political nature of the company they work for. And for years, like that was never going to be like one of the three reasons. It was usually pay, like I got better pay from somewhere else, or I don't want to have to move, or I need to go somewhere because of my family. It wasn't because like I don't agree with the political decisions of the firm, right? It's becoming a lot more aligned to the values of the individual rather than what has historically been something where you don't get to choose, you know? Historically, people haven't been able to choose their jobs. It's something that, you know, we mentioned, jobs used to be something tied to your family. You know, historically, it's passed down to you. Like, that's what America was. Oh, your dad was a truck driver? It's only natural of you to become a truck driver, too. You know, it's not really consideration you take. What do I want to pursue? What kind of environment, work culture do I want to be in, you know? But now, people are having the ability to choose what they want their identity to be. Right, because, like, work has never been so mobile. Um, so what you're seeing right now is an unprecedented amount of young people relocating. 
um, this study shows that right now, as of March 2022, um, about 20 million Americans plan on relocating. And this has been like an upward trend for the last couple of years that obviously stopped during COVID, but now it's accelerated again. So people are forced to like go look around. And at the same time, work comes to you. Right, it's it's a lot easier to start work remotely. You and, can just do it on Zoom. Yeah, you can you do a job on Zoom. I I did my last two internships on Zoom. So there's just two things happening where like people have to move to find work. People are more willing to do so, and jobs are coming to you. That jobs are extremely mobile. And Professor Zweig had this interesting point about the efficient allocation of labor, because what banks do is efficiently allocate capital. Right. Right. They find.、Um, Interesting, like like for example, like if you go into the、um, side of finding companies that are doing well and investing money in them so they can grow and then do bigger things, or finding people who are looking for loans and being able to actually provide that, or helping cities and states like raise capital. It's always been about the efficient allocation of capital, and capital is a lot more efficient, easy to allocate efficiently. That's a mouthful, because it's very easy to move a dollar around. Right. The same is has not ever been true for people. But that's increasingly becoming true—the efficient allocation of people, where people can work in the intersection of what makes them money and what they can be very good at. And also, there's this interesting graph、uh, that where it shows how manufacturing output, so money's that money that is being produced to the manufacturing sector, has been constant over the last hundred years. And that kind of goes against what people traditionally think is happening in the manufacturing sector, where all those jobs are just leaking out into China. And other、uh, countries where labor is cheaper, that that's not true. Manufacturing output has been de- has been the same, if not increasing, in the last hundred years. What has been decreasing is the amount of people that work in manufacturing, obviously. But people blame one of two things: they blame trade deals like、uh, NAFTA, or they blame、uh, China entering the World Trade Organization back in the 1990s.、Mm-hmm. And what you look at is you look at that trend over the last hundred years. And you pinpoint where China entered the World Trade Organization and where NAFTA was negotiated. Those had no effect. Like there was not a sudden spike or decrease in manufacturing jobs in the country. Those were steadily going down for a while. Why? Because technological growth and labor productivity were rising for around 2.2 percent for the last hundred years. So, tying this to what、uh, Professor Zweig and I talked about in terms of、uh, Keynes predicted that. In 1930, we would be working 10 to 15-hour work weeks because which has not happened. <laughs> which has not happened, and we would be working 10 to 15-hour work weeks in 100 years, so in the next 10 years, and we'd still be able to have all those things because labor just so much more productive that everything we had in 1930 we could now do with 10 hours of work. So there's something interesting to be said here because we obviously we have not- the capabilities to be. Working a lot less. Yeah, but why haven't we made this transition? Right, it's like every time labor became more productive, we didn't decide. Oh, let's now work a little bit less. We'll just keep working the same amount and get more from those hours. And at the same time, we were talking earlier about how the Great Resignation, people are, or, or like as the Quartz article calls it, that I think is a better word, the Great Renegotiation, is like people want to now. Allocate themselves more efficiently in in jobs that align with their values and principles, and with the community and the culture that they can align with. That there's something to be said about how jobs are tied to your identity. That you are not just, you know, a human being who then sells your, you know, 40 hours of labor to some company, and then like, that's just like one past your life. Like who you are as a job, in your job represents who you are broadly, 
And that also is kind of emphasized by the fact that this is especially true for men that when the unemployment ri rate rises, or more people are out of work, the suicide rate rises in lockstep because people lose the sense of identity when they lose their work and they get hopeless that that work is not coming back. And what people find, there was this interesting study that people who lose their job and then are within like a few months able to find a new job in a completely different industry still have higher rates of you know mental illness and depression. And it's not because of the financial instability, because they're able to find a job relatively quickly. It's because of the identity, that they've worked at this place for so long, they've lost that, now that they like find themselves in a new place. Your job is so closely tied to who you are as a person. Right, and um, Harvard Business Review actually coined a term for this. It's called enmeshment of your identity, enmeshment into your work. Honestly, I, I see how can, this can easily happen, you know? Like, let's say you're an investment banker, like you're working long hours, right? It's hard to differentiate and like draw the line between when work becomes life. Mm -hmm. And I think, this is just my own take, but I think with COVID, this actually might get worse. I think people are gonna get more enmeshed into their work. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely happened. I think um, people are, It's it, when you're working from home, it's hard to know what is your workplace and what is your right. place of leisure. And so for me, at least, like seeing how people are now kind of holding their employers to a higher standard mm -hmm. because they want their identity to align with their company values simply because they're kind of now one and the same. Um, I think that's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think companies now have to actually actively adapt and make real changes and contributions to society to, you know, appeal to the educated working class and like attract a solid workforce. So what's the main problems, I guess, with having such an enmeshed identity? Yeah, well, you could even argue that it's a good thing, right? Because now, so across business schools in the country, this new idea that for us, like, it's hard to believe that this wasn't how business school used to be. But every single business school now teaches stakeholder theory, that right. every single business has to care about their stakeholders that are not just their customers and that are not just their employers but like are the residents of community where you have your factory or are tangentially affected by your supply chain, right? So like those are things that through stakeholder theory become a lot more relevant. And what you see is in a lot of companies is what, what you're having is people protesting against their companies and protest against companies has always been a thing, right? For labor rights and for better working conditions throughout like the 1900s. Um, but I think what's pretty new is the fact that people are protesting the company to be more environmentally conscious. People are protesting against, NYU students are protesting against NYU on Earth Day like three days ago, because they want NYU's endowment to be invested in a more stakeholder friendly way by divesting out of fossil fuel companies and you know whatnot. So that part is pretty new where they're not asking for things that affect themselves like higher wages and things it's like they're I asking want my the institution to, to do just be a better institution in society even if it doesn't directly help them so, so now yeah what we used to see is people you know holding their identity or their enmeshed identity with their jobs to just the title and like the prestige that comes with it but now as you mentioned there's this shift to when you hear the title oh i work for whatever company 
you want the other person to think, oh, this is a good person. This is a person who cares about sustainability. Right. This is a person who cares about the environment. Right. Not just someone who's, you know, earning cold, hard cash. Yeah, that's why like, it's like people don't go around saying, oh, yeah, I work for Shell or what other oil companies there are. Let's just, like, list shitty companies now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, I think definitely the prestige part. Um, there's also a lot of studies done about the psychology of people wanting to gravitate towards others who earn more money because that's higher status in society. So, like, that's why it's always a flex to be like, oh, I just met, like, an MD of a bank. Like, because that's something they've achieved that they earn a lot of money through because they're providing a high level of service to a lot of clients. So, like, people have always prided themselves on what they achieve at work. And when your values that you have personally, you use that to hold your management of a company accountable through like a stakeholder theory, being more environmentally conscious, be more you know, LGBTQ conscious. For example, like Disney as a company was against the don't say gay thing. Right. That doesn't affect Disney at all, if you think about it, right? They're an amusement park. In, in, within Florida, they're an amusement park. But, but their employees as well as people who go, you know. Are affected by yeah. it, right? So this is like a new phenomenon of like people at Disney want their company to reflect their personal values the strong enmeshment that's happening. And I think even more interesting is how Disney is now willing to take that exactly. step and actually take, you know... And they knew it was going to come at a cost. Yeah. Like they lost their they rights lost, to self-regulate. Exactly. They lost and, and a they lot of privileges. Yeah. And they saw that coming, but for them it's like, we want to show our values. And that's like, shows how within the U.S., and people will criticize that as like, companies will do things that are very like, woke, and then have things in the background that are like, very, very dirty. Like, Disney has all this like, bad stuff with how they're... They have an interesting history. Yeah, well, they're doing all this, like, stuff about how it makes it a lot easier or a lot harder for content to go into the creative commons. So that's, like, obviously very bad for people. And it's very easy for them to say this one bill is bad and score those woke points. But at the same time, like, I think there's something to said that people want to have goodwill with their company that they work at where it represents, like, their personal values. And that's definitely a very new trend. Yeah, and I think we talk to, we, I mean, we do talk to a lot of Stern students about what they look for when they're now searching for an employer. Yeah. And I thought some answers were really interesting in the sense that some people said that it, they don't care about the work that they're doing, like if it's mundane or whatever. They also care more about the people that they're surrounded with. And so ultimately, we've been seeing this shift, right? And we wanted to analyze and see why Keynes was so wrong in his prediction. And a large part of what we believe, at least, is that it's because of this enmeshment of identity with work. And that seems to be the general trend when we interviewed NYU Stern students about what they look for right now when they're searching for employers and the kind of work they want to do in the future. It seems that they want to be in an environment or a culture that really mirrors their own values. I think just knowing that like I made an impact, um, I think in the broader scheme of things. I think it's mostly just to um, be able to support like what I feel fulfillment in, which is I guess a balance between um, like work and like outside life. I think value to me is very important um, because just coming into Stern, I think I've always been drawn to the social impact side. Um, and then, you know, in the past, we've always known that whole oh, businesses, they contribute to like inequity, social, societal problems just because they're so um, single 
minded in terms of focusing on profit like yes it's still important for um, businesses to create value because that's how they survive but then still being able to create that shared value for community i think is very important for me um, so definitely companies that value their employees is a big one um, valuing stakeholders throughout their supply chain not just not just like the immediate one like customers and employees but also who they're sourcing their um, inputs from or who they're collaborating with is important Good company culture is really important. Like even when I was like interviewing with my internship, um, the people were very like friendly and open, and the they made me feel very comfortable. Um, I like a you know professional and like social like balance. I think like we should have like you know clear you know expectations, but still you know be flexible enough to kind of like be you know like use humor like in our day to day life or just like have a welcoming um, environment. In terms of where I draw the line, I think it's things that I strongly um, value. So for example, if they discriminate based on gender, um, based on race, um, sexuality, disability, that sort of thing, I feel like that's a really hard no for me. So if it's very evident that they do that, then I would not continue working for that company. Um, if the value of the company goes against something that I might politically disagree with, um, then I think that would be, a, I wouldn't try to work for that company in the first place. Let's say like if a company donates to like kind of like a like anti-LGBT rights foundation, then I would definitely hesitate before applying there. So what are your thoughts? Do you think there's a different reason for the trends we're seeing, the great resignation, why Keynes was wrong, and what we're seeing in automation? Email us your thoughts, questions, or your opinions at specs at stern.nyu.edu.